What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode 114 of the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. This is a Monday rundown on a Monday. Sean and I jumped right in today, and we broke down the Antonio Brown saga that has been going on for the last month and a half. After that, we talked about the Yankees and how they're going to look going forward into the postseason. Then we went around baseball. We went up and down each division. We talked about the leaders, and then we talked about the wild card. Following that, we recapped two major college football games from a pretty much dry weekend aside from that. Then we talked a little pop culture. We'll be back this coming Wednesday with an NFL Wednesday pod. We're going to talk about the Jets and the Giants, unfortunately, and everything else that went on in the football week that has passed and the week ahead. Follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports, on Instagram, Sorry underscore Sports. Check out the greatest website in the world, sorrysports.com. And if you have anything to say, shoot us an email, sorrysports at yahoo.com, and enjoy the pod. everybody welcome back to the sorry to interrupt podcast we're here for monday rundown and it is the first monday in our nfl season and uh we're looking forward to doing a free a full football wednesday next or uh in a couple days but right now there's a lot else to get to tom what's up my man how did you enjoy your first weekend of the nfl glorious sunday um not as much as i should have um, but we're going to talk Jets, obviously, on Wednesday. That was pitiful. Um, but I am beating you in the picks. My sperm bank didn't uh, hit, but hey, I'm leading. You're going to have to find a new sponsor in a couple days. Yeah, I actually fired myself, so Dino Hype will no longer <laughs> be sponsoring. Um, it was just a decision that had to be made within the company, and the CEO wasn't happy. Now, well, that makes sense, and listen... The fact that you fired yourself, uh, very admirable decision. Now, although we have an NFL Wednesday podcast to get to, we just want to do games. We're just going to recap all of week one's games and make our week two picks. I don't want to deal with all this other nonsense. And we'll talk about the other storylines, you know, as they impact each game that was played. But I find it completely absurd if we don't lead off with Antonio Brown. Everybody has had their statement made today and i think it's about time that we make ours what do you think absolutely i agree with you i mean if you just recap the last year you go from ab sitting out uh the last game of the season that was basically a make or break it was a do or die make or break game for the steelers they missed the playoffs because they lost they needed a little help from other teams but they still had to win that game yeah absolutely um and then you going forward, he obviously gets traded for a third and a fifth round pick to the Raiders. Everything's good in the hood. Um, you know, he's he's excited. Derek Carr and him are best friends, apparently. Um, shit-talking the Steelers on his way out. Obviously, Big Ben, most um, for the most part, he was shit-talking him. And then rumblings start right about the same time as Hard Knocks with the cryogenic foot thing, which... I will never understand. You have that much money. You should be able to to figure out how to do that properly. And then the helmet thing, threatening to retire. Then he was fined for, what, missing a walkthrough and a practice and whatnot. 
uh, blowing off a meeting with Gruden when they were supposed to meet. Then he tried to fist fight or something like that, the GM. Um, they basically said they weren't going to give him his guaranteed money. He tweeted out or Instagrammed out, release me. And, of course, he gets released within a minute of when he could get signed. The Patriots scoop him up. And, of course, this is just the way it goes. The Raiders look like complete idiots. The Steelers, whatever, you want to clear out your locker room. How'd that work for you last night? Not too well. And the Patriots come out smelling like roses. They wanted A.B., and not only did they get A.B., but they didn't have to give anything up for him. They got him for free, of course, because it's the fucking Patriots. This whole thing is one of the most ridiculous of circumstances that I have ever seen. And we live through the Terrell Owens nonsense in Philly. Um, There's been a lot of diva-wide receiver shit. But this is unlike anything I've ever seen. I'm sure the social media component has a lot to do with that. But my instant reaction, obviously, was just, wow, I can't believe we're watching this thing unfold in front of us. And then second is, I really believe that everything he did, starting with tweeting out the insane uh, frostbite from the cryotherapy uh, spot, and then also, you know, the whole helmet nonsense, like... Of all the helmets and all the players in the league, only one guy was filing grievances. Not one, two of them. And it was Antonio Brown. I think it was all a complete stage to say, okay, I made a mistake. I don't want to be here. And I got to find my way out of here. And I'm basically just going to commit self-sabotage until I get my way. And you know what, bro? It worked. It worked, and listen, we've seen this in the NBA and a lot. I mean, we saw, you know, Jimmy Butler last year just completely do everything he could to the Timberwolves to get himself out of there, and it worked. Um, I think this is going to start becoming more and more prevalent in the NFL. I think player empowerment, um, we see it with holdouts, but I think we're going to start seeing certain things like this with guys. We're already hearing rumblings out of Miami, a bunch of coaches, or a bunch of players, rather, went to coaches and, and said, you know, I'm not going to play here, and they were telling their agents to find them trade partners, just all up and down the line. But getting back to A.B., man, I've never seen anything like this. I really believe every single one of his crazy antics this summer through hard knocks with the feet, with the helmet, and, you know, then all the way down to posting the you making a youtube video of, uh, with the conversation with gruden like it's a complete shit show he knew he didn't want to be there and he just said okay what can i possibly do to get myself thrown out of here and um apparently he found every every avenue to do so absolutely wild and the patriots scooping him up i think i sent this to you i mean you and i joke about it everybody jokes about it. oh of course the pats will sign him but such a difference between just saying that and it actually happening because it's like as you said of course they do and after the game they had last night which we'll talk about wednesday it really doesn't seem like antonio brown is really at all needed but they played the steelers we'll see who else they play this year and how close games are but this is a this is just a ridiculous a ridiculous thing Hey man, if There's you're nothing right else to that say he it. that he orchestrated this whole thing, he might be a genius. But doesn't it seem that way? To it, you? it absolutely seems that way, and I'm I'm in agreement with you. He he may be a genius, and you know what? 
it's comical, and you know the guy's an idiot. He lost thirty million dollars on this whole thing. Yeah, I do love how you just said that he's a genius, and then go right ahead and call him an idiot. Well, yeah, listen, <laughs> there's been a lot of uh, selective geniuses in the world that are also idiots, but I mean, there's so much going on in the NFL. Everybody's making such a big stink about it. It's like, listen. Tyreek Hill's still playing in the NFL. Greg Hardy got a lot of contracts in the NFL. Kareem Hunt's on a team. This guy has never had, I, from what I believe, and don't quote me on it, a rumbling of domestic violence. So No, he, but we're talking about different things, though. You can still be a bad guy without doing that. No, you're absolutely I, right. But in the grand scheme of things, the NFL's got... I don't think we always have to compare No, you don't. But all I'm saying is the NFL's, the NFL's got bigger things to worry about when it comes to that. This is just comical. And you know what? At, at the end of the day... He got where he wanted, but keep in mind, he lost two. He lost $30 million. I mean, that's ins- 29. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, take a, I'll take the million dollars out of it. That's, that's a lot of money. It's a shit ton of money. Uh, what do you get? Uh, 15 and then the 10 with the signing bonus? Yeah, but I mean, what you have to understand, and it was a million dollar signing bonus. It wasn't a $10 million. No, no, with the, with the Pats. No, I, I don't know. I think it was only a mil. Okay, I thought it, I thought it was 10. I but still, what you have to keep in mind is I mean, that's $30 million guaranteed. Had he just been a good citizen, he would have gotten that $30 million. This is an incentive-laden contract. Who knows if he makes it through the year? So I, it's just it's crazy to think that he threw away that much money. But, hey, maybe winning is that important to him. And when he showed up to Oakland, he, I mean, I don't know, maybe he didn't watch the games last year, but he, he realized when he got there that this is a fucking joke. I think that's what happened. Uh, he should probably watch a little bit more football or at least just check the standings. Um, I think it's that, and it's also just you realize Derek Carr is not very good. He realized that Gruden doesn't know what he's doing. He has Mayock as a puppet for a GM, and it's just a bunch of, like, you know, it's a sideshow, and he, and he realizes that this is not going to be – he doesn't want to run away out there. And I mean, you say Mayock is a puppet, but kudos to him for actually, you know, standing up for himself a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think that you had to, because if you don't do that, then what's the point of him being there? I mean, we know Gruden runs the show, but if he if he decides that he's not going to fine him or suspend him or put any kind of disciplinary action, you know, onto him, then what's the point of you even being there? Because now you really have set no standard. And just, by the way, laughing out loud at the Raiders for treating a, a real model citizen in Amari Cooper Khalil Mack, great teammates, hardworking guys, clearly you're paying dividends for the teams that they're on now, and you went out and you wanted Antonio Brown. You served your right. Poorly run organization Terrible. top to bottom. Terrible, absolutely. So, and, you know, I the, think, the last thing I'll say on it is you don't realize in the moment, but I think we're going to look back and be like, that was fucking insane. Because, you know, he forced his way out of town, and it happens in the NBA all the time, but just the way he went about it was, was what was crazy. I'm going to tell you what, man, it was the perfect storm because I don't think that just any player can do this. You know, in the NBA, you got to cater to the players a little bit more because is Jimmy Butler, Kevin Durant, or LeBron James? No, but he's probably the difference in you being a six-seed or a three-seed or a two-seed, you know? Like, Antonio Brown has that slur power. He has the ability to change the entire complexion of a team. Now, obviously, he plays wide receiver. It's very incumbent upon a good offensive line, a quarterback, and a running game for you to be successful. We've seen, you know, Odell put up incre- incredible numbers, and no team he plays on wins. 
But him in Oakland isn't going to work. He has the star power because of how good he is and the kind of personality he is to pull this kind of shit. If other players try to, they're not, for the likelihood, going to be able to pull this. Because teams will say, yeah, you just sit out. I don't care. Or we'll pay you and you'll play for us. And you're not going to force a trade. Like it, it, it takes a very unique circumstance for something like this to happen, and Antonio Brown very fittingly was that. Yeah, absolutely. And now to look at it from the Patriots' side, we're going to talk about the game. But honestly, after watching their defense and everything yesterday, I think it's 14-2 and this year. It's hard to believe not. I mean, you're going to line him up with Josh Gordon. And now, again, those are two situations that could become very volatile. I hope they're roommates. Just... <laughs> no, it sounds like AB's going to live with uh, Brady for, until he finds a place. Hey, listen, Maybe I'll Brady take a pay cut to be those two's babysitter. There you go. I'll, I'll work for less than I'm making right now. Honestly, I'd probably, be, very I'd probably be a bad influence, honestly. I don't think you'd be a good one. But, no. yeah, he <laughs> – no, you you don't want the Patriots to be good. You're going to do everything you can to screw things up. Yeah, that's true. Not to mention, just given my, my personal history, I don't know if I'd be too good of an influence whoa. on those two guys. Whoa, 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 whoa. What are we saying? Well, you know, you I, like to, I, I like to have a good time. I'm not going to be sitting in there, you know, playing video games all night. And, and those two guys definitely aren't either. And we could probably get ourselves into some trouble. I think Brady. I think Brady's going to force him. Uh, to be perfectly honest, man, they, they are very close. Now, I don't. I think the one-year deal was perfect because we saw what Brady got out of Randy Moss for a year. We've seen him get a lot out of Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon last year, you know, he just his demons crept up again and he had to leave. But if he can stay around for the whole season, and you add Antonio Brown, who has to be on his best best behavior. Because this is his last shot. Let's be honest. I mean, the Patriots are the model franchise. If you don't work out there, you are not going anywhere. So yeah, no remember, one's going to take a chance on you. And he's 32. Remember about a month and a half ago when we were saying the Patriots really didn't have that many weapons this year and they're really going to have to lean on their defense because Gronk is gone? Yeah, I do recall that conversation. Julian Edelman was their best wide receiver, and it was that and Sony Michelle, and that was it. Remember that? I do. Fucking joke. And Kill Harry was out. Yeah, they, they find a way. And listen, like I said, based off last night, I don't think Antonio Brown even really matters that because Brady turned. That was the best I've seen Brady look in a long time. But we'll, we'll discuss that on Wednesday. Either way, we had to lead with this. This was the story of the weekend. I wish we could have just done football games. But listen, at least this isn't domestic violence. But this is the, this is the storyline of the NFL season. This is just something you can laugh about. If anything, it was just self and it was a self inflicted. No, it's word. crazy. It's it's the only word you can really use is crazy. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on to a much better run organization than the Oakland Raiders. I like to hope and think, and that's the New York <laughs> Yankees. Let's do it. Um, they're on right now. Uh, scoreless game, bottom of the third, as they're wrapping up their four game set in Boston. All right. Well, don't look at the TV too much. Make sure you pay attention to me. I've got it. I've got it. But listen, I gotta tell you this, man. This team, they are—they are just such a well-oiled machine, and it doesn't matter. It's somebody different every single day. And I think one thing that needs to be considered, aside from Tanaka last night, the starting pitching has really turned a corner. James Paxson has become the pitcher Yankee fans and the front office was hoping they were going to be getting. He's 
been dominant. He's won his last seven starts. Jay Happ in his last two games has only allowed one run in 13 innings against the A's and Red Sox, two teams that punish left-handed pitching. And you look at a guy like Domingo Herman, who for the most part has just been rock steady, winning a lot of games, giving quality performances every single time out. Um, there's a lot to be feeling good about if you're a Yankee fan. And the lineup is hitting. It doesn't matter who's in there. Everybody seems like they're doing the job. And I'm looking at right now at a lot of news and notes coming out of Yankee camp. And Severino and Batances are finishing up in Trenton. Trenton is in the championship series. So Severino's going to start um, on Wednesday, uh, which would put him in line to pitch in the Angels series. So he's on his way back. Batances, same thing. They want to give him a couple more uh, appearances, and then he's coming up to the major league roster. Giancarlo Stanton is ramping up baseball activities, uh, and he's supposed to be activated during the homestand next week. CC's coming off the IL pitching Wednesday in Detroit, and I think that what they're doing with him is fascinating. Did you hear what they're going to do in that start of his on Wednesday? They're just going to slow it down, a couple, pit, a couple innings, and then Herman's going to come in. That's exactly right. I think that this is going to be a blueprint for a CC Sabathia start in the postseason series. It won't be in the first series because in a best of five, you'll only need three starters. Now, it'll go totally off matchups, but you've got to believe that that's going to be Tanaka, Herman, and probably Paxton. Hey, Paxton's but, been dealing lately. That's what I said, dude. He's won set, he's seven, seven and oh in his last seven yeah, starts. for his eighth win today, hopefully. Exactly. So if you're looking at, it, if you, at a possible LCS appearance, and CC is kind of the anti-Paxton hat, right? I mean, he's a guy that the first time through the lineup, guys don't usually hit him. He, he's very good. We saw him in that Dodger game go four innings and uh, only give up one run. I think that the Yankees are going to use some kind of matchup where CC starts and either Herman or Severino is going to piggyback him. And you're going to designate Green to another one of the starters, maybe a Paxton, just give the lefty-righty kind of different look, which I think at this point in the season, with all these guys throwing well, Hap is going to be in the equation, especially if he finishes off the season the way he's been pitching right now. You got to be creative with the personnel because you have a lot of great arms. But tr- clearly, the traditional go out there and hope for six or seven innings from all of them is not practical. You don't I need think that. creativity. No, creativity is something that the Yankees can really use. It seems as an analytically driven team that they're open to everything. All players seem on board. CC even said he's fine pitching out of the pen, whatever he needs, whatever the team needs. I think that's a very interesting dynamic. What do you think would be the best way that this pitching lines up? Uh, heading into, let's start with the first round and then a hypothetical second. Well, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but I was just about to mention the uh, World Series. But we're not going to get ahead of ourselves. I think, honestly, for the first round, you, you said it perfect. You probably go Tanaka, then Paxton, and then Herman. Just a mix lefty-righty. You don't want to stack them up too much. And then, I mean, after that, uh, you could use a CC. For, for And then keep in mind that Severino is probably going to be coming out of the pen throwing 100 because I don't well, know that's if he's going to be starting. No, and I think it's going to be very based off matchups. 
But I do like CeCe out there in the first inning against basically anybody. You know, if you go from a soft-tossing lefty to a hard-throwing ace-caliber pitcher. Absolutely. And I think, yeah. he's, I think he's good through the lineup because he's because unlike Paxton and Hap, who, who don't really like to show you their stuff till the second time around, he's throwing everything but the kitchen sink at you right off the bat. And, and you know, once these guys see all your pitches, that's where he gets himself into trouble in those later innings. But again, if you're only going three, four tops, depending on how you're pitching, and then you have a Herman and or a, you know, a Severino or a Green coming out of the pen, just giving you just giving you 98 instead of 91, 92, that's a whole different ball game. Yeah, absolutely, man. I like I like that idea, to be perfectly honest with you. I like that idea a lot, and you're, you're 100% right. CeCe does throw the kitchen sink because he has to. He's not at a point where he can just, you know, throw fastball, fastball, fastball. That's not that, that's not his game and hasn't been. And by the second, third time around, if, unless you're making perfect pitches, you're probably going to get hit. Um, I'm very interested to see how the last couple weeks go because as Stanton comes back, now it seems like anybody that wanted Talkman playing, first of all, you don't know what you're talking about. But second of all, it, unfortunately for him, and I do feel bad for him, doesn't look like that's going to happen. He's tearing he it up. Suffered a sec, uh, second degree calf strain, uh, and we know a lot about the calf strains over the last couple months with Durant and then Luck. Um, this is going to be something that ends his season. So you're not going to see Mike Talkman on a, on a postseason roster. Uh, maybe if they get to the fall classic, he's back by then. But at that point, you know, John Carlos Stanton's your left fielder. So you're, you're going to be getting a lot out of Stanton. Aaron Hicks seems like his season's in jeopardy too. He flew all the way to California to get a second, um, a second opinion on his flexor tendon because he didn't. It, it didn't respond well. He had a setback last week. So, if Bert Gardner's your center fielder, you're going to be hoping for John Carlos Stan to carry the load and left because Clint Frazier's not your everyday left field. I don't know, man. It, it, Clint Frazier, if he tears it up, he could be playing center. Oh no way! Brett Gardner is going to be playing. I know you. I don't. They're not even. They're not even giving Clint Frazier at bats. They're, they're, is only going to play left a little bit. Cameron Maben now is going to be the everyday left fielder until Stan comes back. I don't like how they're between. holding my guy back. But at this point, really, what do you need to see from him? Like he, he helped you win a lot of games earlier in the season, but that's not his role now. His role now is to play sparingly and show he's a good teammate because he's not going to be on the postseason roster. There's no reason for him to be on the postseason roster. I know, I know. It's just he's he's so talented, and I know Guardy's. You know, he's got. I think he's he's tied his um his career high for home runs in a season, and he's having a really good year. But come on, Kurt Gardner has twenty one home runs. He's one of the most clutch hitters that the Yankees have had in years, and his on base percentage and left handed bat is going to be pay dividends in an already lineup. There's absolutely no way that you can sit here, and I know you know your baseball and you're a Yankee fan. There's no way that you can even try to validate saying that Clint Frazier I'm not validating center I'm field screaming. over I Brett just... Gardner when center field is the most important outfield position and Clint Frazier got demoted because he can't play the outfield. No, you're right. I'm just a little crazy. <laughs> but you know what? He's a starting left fielder next season barring a trade. So, Well, we think so. Uh, Talkman has made a name for himself. It's going to be interesting. But getting back to the task at hand, I'm excited to see Stan back. Absolutely. And it, 
And any anybody that is not looking forward to Stanton or thinks that Stanton will come back and be a problem and weigh, weigh the team down, I got news for you. You don't know what you're talking about, and you don't have the right to talk baseball. I do really like uh, Encarnacion back in this lineup, too. He has been mashing. So oh, yeah, absolutely. This team, this team is going to be so dangerous. Up. Yeah, this, this, team is, time. this team is dangerous, and we don't need to even mention the bull, how great the bullpen is because – Unlike every other team heading into the postseason, man, I mean, we're going to talk up and down the AL and NL in a second. All of these teams have reasons to feel good, but you know what? None of these teams have bullpens that you feel all that good about. Not the at all, are, but... The Yankees are nails. And, and listen, obviously they have the AL East wrapped up, and they probably they probably are going to get a first round. Um, they're not going to... They're going to get the wild card team, hopefully. But my point is, you can't rest on your laurels right now, because... You want that home field advantage throughout it, so you still got to play a game baseball. You can't be resting too many guys or anything like that because I really don't want to face Houston with home field advantage. No, nope, and I, and that seems to be the the route that they're going. I, I like that they're going pedal to the metal, and you know you can rest guys. I mean Sanchez, you're not going to run out there every single night. You're going to give guys, you know, Didi's not playing tonight. Get guys off their feet here and there. Which is what they've been doing all year, and what's shown. Well, that's the beauty of this team is, is how deep they are. I'm still confident. That's exactly it. Like you, you know, Didi doesn't play tonight, but Urshela steps back in there and is playing third base. You know, this guy's got 18 home runs and has been one of the best players in the league. You know, on the days when Mayhew doesn't play, Glaber shifts over to second. It's ridiculous how good this team is, and now with both Boy and Encarnacion healthy, you're you're in a position where. It's it's pretty much an embarrassment of riches, and and the, what Boone has at his disposal is is something that just about any manager can dream of. The bullpen that'll figure itself out because the guys you know that will be there: Canley, Ottavino, Britton, and Chapman. You know, if Patances comes back, gives you anything, that's a, just a bonus. You know, whether Herman pitches out of the pen or Sevy or Green, it's all you feel so good because all these other teams, even the Astros, their bullpen is a major question mark as is basically everyone else. So let's go on down the league. We've sucked the Yankees' dicks enough, but rightfully so. It's exciting because look at our football teams. Like we got to feel good about something, and I think we should prop up our Yanks when we can. I agree with you. Um, I don't want to talk football anymore. All right. We're going to just mail that in? Uh, we'll wait till Wednesday. I'll, I'll, um, I'll have to do some type of drug that makes me happy. We'll just talk about every other team other than ours. Okay. <laughs> All right, so a check-in on the division. So we'll start in the AL. Yanks, as we mentioned, up 8.5 in the East. The Twins are up 5.5 in the Central. And we give that Twins team so much credit, man. I mean, all we did was expect Cleveland to catch them. Now the injury to Ramirez has really hurt them. And they're figuring out their whole pitching situation. But the Twins, they are a very dangerous team. And I know we don't look at them that way because it seems like the Yankees just have their number, but they're a very dangerous team and they're playing great baseball. Absolutely. And then Houston's up almost 10 in the West. I mean, that's all but wrapped up, obviously. This is the Yankees-Astros fighting for home field, obviously, going on right now. Um, As far as the wild card, this is pretty fun. So you got Tampa and Oakland up in the race. Tampa holds the first wild card. Uh, Oakland is there in the second. Cleveland is one and a half out of that second wild card. And let's just talk about this a little bit. Tampa, no one's talking about them. They're a dangerous team because they can pitch. 
we know that Glass now is healthy again, and Snell is healthy again. Oakland seems to be this team that just nobody really wants to play. And they do this every year in the second half. They come out, and they go on this crazy run, and before you know it, they're in the playoffs. Um, they don't scare me nearly as much, but, again, it's because of their bullpen. Their starting pitching is decent, but that offense is dangerous. Absolutely, but you know what? If the Yankees are lucky enough to get home field advantage throughout the playoffs and you're playing that wild card team, give me Oakland over Tampa Bay. I feel the same way, and I know the Yankees have owned Tampa this year, and it's felt weird because a lot of those games have been super close. I don't care. In the playoffs, that staff is so much better than Oakland's. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you on that, although Oakland's lineup puts a lot more fear in me than Tampa's. Uh, what do we think of Cleveland? Are they going to find their way into this wild card? I, to be honest, we're talking about Tampa and Oakland. Who would we rather face? I don't know. I know they haven't been great this year, but I don't really want any part of Cleveland. No, not at all. They're they're definitely, as you like to say all the time, battle-tested. They've been in the playoffs, deep in the playoffs over the last four years. I mean, you said they lost Ramirez to, to an injury for the year, I believe, but... Not the year, but he—he's—they're not sure when he's coming back. And to it was be a honest, man, hand. It, it doesn't really matter because I know he was a top three MVP candidate last year, but he has sucked this year. No, dude, not in the second half. He hasn't. He's been one of the best players in the league. In the no, I know, half. but listen, he doesn't worry me that much. Kipnis is a good player. Kipnis is fine, but Ramirez—he's—he's he's been playing at the level that he was playing at last year. And, he absolutely owns the Yankees. Owns yeah, you're the right Yankees. about that. He does own the Yankees. He, he, he's doing his best Edgar Martinez, David Ortiz imitation over the last few years. So let's just Yankees. hope that Cleveland doesn't make the playoffs. I, um, I honestly, I'm not going to say I root for any of these teams, but I feel like Cleveland, and you know they still have a bad taste in their mouth from 17 when they were up two games to none, and uh, their season ended abruptly when the Yankees came back from down 0-2. Like that's, and they lost, they got beaten down by Houston in the division series last year. So they're, yeah, and they're not to mention, we talked they get about, in, I don't want to play them. And Frank Cone is the, one of the best managers in baseball. Yeah, and we talked about their staff um, in Tampa Bay. I think Cleveland's got an even better starting pitching staff. Well, yeah, when Kluber's back, but you've got Bieber and Clevenger, both guys that have, that have had ridiculous seasons. So it'll be very interesting to see how that shakes out. I love this time of year because it is obviously football, but the pennant race, especially with this second wild card since 2011, I believe, or 2012, has just made everything so much better because there's five or six teams in it. And now when we go to the NL, it's even crazier. So Atlanta's got the East wrapped up. St. Louis seems to have the Central taken care of. They're four and a half up. On the uh, on the Cubs, and then we're looking Obviously at the Dodgers. Obviously, I picked them to win the division this year. Look at you. You're so smart. And then the Dodgers, you know, we don't have to talk about them. They are the best team in baseball. We talk Yankees-Astros. I think the Dodgers are the best team in all of baseball, but have had their issues in the World Series. But, again, you feel pretty good about them getting there again. Here's where it gets fun. The NL wild card. So, Washington and Chicago, they currently hold the top two places in the NL wild card. But Arizona has gotten very frisky, and they're here now, and they're playing very well. Milwaukee, they have just took care of, um, I think they just took two of three from the Cubbies in Milwaukee. So they're not dead yet. Philadelphia, they've every time it seems that we're ready to put them to bed, they come out and put up a, and, and have a couple good games in a row to get themselves back into it. 
And there they are, Old Faithful, the New York Mets, who are four games back. All of these teams, we get, we've talked about the Mets mostly because, you know, we're more New York Central. But what do we think of the of the whole NL wildcard shakeup? Does Washington and Chicago have enough to hold on? I think Washington does. I'm very interested about that second one. I have no clue. Yeah, no. It's honestly, aside from the Mets, who I think um, I think they're just the bullpen struggles are just going to be too much for them. I I really don't know. I'm I, I honestly kudos to Arizona who sold off. I they lost AJ Pollock to free agency. They they traded Segura. They obviously traded Goldschmidt. So they and they traded Granky, and yet they're sitting here still playing interesting baseball deep into September. So kudos to them. I don't know, man. Philly's Philly's been playing well lately. Philly is so interesting because when they play well, I mean, every team when they play well, you you look to them, right? But like, I just feel like that's a team that when you get in the playoffs, you don't want any part of them. But they've just been so underwhelming that you can't trust them. I still thought though, I I'm still holding on to Milwaukee because that's a team that when I look at them up and down. Being to Game 7 of the LCS last year, the lineup, obviously, with Yelich, I feel like that's a team that can do a lot of damage. Their starting pitching is just not all that good, and that's going to hurt them. I think Washington and the Cubs are the best teams, and they'll end up holding on, but I, I I wouldn't be shocked because the Cubs sometimes, they have these stretches where they just play god awful baseball. What was it? They got swept by the Nationals at home. Yeah, and two Javi weekends Baez, ago. Javi Baez. I just saw Bleacher Report that he's out until October if they even make it that far. Yeah, that's not good. No, he's their best player. Not even close. So that might throw a monkey wrench. Uh, and they're going to need their starting pitching of Wester, Quintana, Hendricks to. Really, take you, you, Darvish, obviously, take care of business Darvish and give them a lot amazing. of good performances in a row. Yeah, Darvish has finally been giving them what what they've asked for for, for over a year now. Um, I'm fascinated by it. Baseball in the pennant race and heading into October is just so much freaking fun. All right, um, so if you were to pick the two wild cards, because I think the divisions are honestly pretty much wrapped up all around baseball. Um, pick the wild cards from each from each league. I I think I'm gonna stick with Tampa Bay and uh, Oakland. I don't. Does Oakland play Cleveland again? I don't believe so. No. I think Cleveland's gonna get in there. I do too. I'm with you. I think Cleveland's gonna get in there, which really makes me nervous. Um, and then from the NL, I think it's gonna be. I think the Nationals are going to be able to hold on. Their their starting pitching has been really good lately, and their offense is absolutely on fire. And this this second one we're talking about, I mean, I'm staring at the Mets just to fuck with people, but I don't think that's going to happen. I like Milwaukee as well. I think they figure out a way to sneak into this wild card game, and then they probably lose to the Nationals because Scherzer, Strasburg, and whoever else that they're going Corbin. to pitch in that one Corbin. game. Corbin. Who? Corbin. Oh yeah, absolutely. One of the, one of the mean, best pitchers in the National League. Yeah. It's all hands on deck uh, for for the wild card game. All three of those guys could throw. So I mean, they're, obviously Washington has their bullpen problems, but it doesn't really matter in a one game playoff. No, they're bull. I, I think that they're they're pretty secured. And although I'd love to pick Milwaukee at this point, 
I did. I, I had them winning the division, so obviously I was wrong there. I'm going to say the Cubs just got like their starting pitching better. Okay. And I think that in the last couple weeks of the season, they're going to win games based off their starting pitching. At least that's what they're hoping for. All of these teams are flawed. Their bullpen struggle. Their their hitting is inconsistent. They have some injuries. Obviously, the Nationals' rotation is the best. But listen, they, they've coughed up a lot of games to, to teams that have no business beating them. Either way, I'm going to put Washington there. And we're going to get two awesome wild card games which is what we want like i don't like the ones where one team is just completely outclassing the other you know yankees twins yankees a's give me games that are going down to the wire because a lot of these teams are even like you said i think there's a reason all the division leaders are so far ahead they are clearly superior to the other ones and the rest of them are kind of just thrown in this cluster specifically in the national league of teams that are just trying to be a little bit better than the others. Absolutely. The the last month of baseball is definitely going to be a lot of fun. I, I'm really glad. I know it's been around for a couple of years, but I'm glad they added that second wild card just to make things a little bit more interesting. Which is why I don't like the, the fact that they only made one trade deadline on July 31st, because it's impossible to gauge where you're at then. I mean, you look at a team like Arizona, you don't think they wish they still had Granky. And in baseball, it's not like basketball, where if you're the eight seed, you know, it's like, oh, fuck, I would have rather not made the playoffs. Like, you have a chance in baseball to do anything. I mean, we saw the Royals in 2014 get to play Oakland. They win that insane extra inning game and go all the way to Game 7 of the World Series. I think the Giants like they, a couple times won a wild card. And were wild World card Series. teams. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, and, no, and no doubt. Being a, and being a second wild card team, you know you're playing there and you're you're in it. And even teams like you know Arizona now, Milwaukee, Philly, the Mets. I mean, without the second wild card, the, there'd be no reason to talk about the Mets. But Not they at what they do is relevant because you're in it. And you look at these three teams battling in the American League. It wasn't only up until last week that Boston was pretty much you know taken out of the equation. But between Tampa, Oakland, and Cleveland. Those are three teams right there that truly believe that they have a chance to not only get into the playoffs, but do some damage once they're there. It's so much better than having just one team, which is why I think that that extra trade deadline uh, at the end of July makes such a difference, in in my opinion. I'm glad September call-ups are going away. You see the game the other night when Boston had 17 relievers in their bullpen? Like, that's such a fucking, like, why? So I'm glad that they're finally getting rid of that. That was one of those stupid things that baseball did that makes no sense. Why do you play with completely different rosters in the most important part of the season? Do it in April when you're not trying to wear guys out. But definitely bring back this. If you're going to have the importance of the second wild card, have another trade deadline. By July 31st, a lot of these teams have absolutely no idea what the positioning they're in. I guarantee you the Giants would have traded Bumgarner by August 31st if they had the, if they had the chance. No, I completely agree with you. And, uh, you mentioned Boston. A lot of interesting, interesting things are going to be going on in that offseason. They might, they might trade Betts. JD Martinez might opt well, out. Betts is a free agent. Oh yes, I'm sorry. Betts is a free agent. They, they, I don't know. So is JD. They, if he, well, if yeah, he, he, he has an opt out on his deal, and I think he's definitely going to take it because he's absolutely killed since he's gotten to the Red Sox. 
And they just fired their, um, what's it, the president of baseball ops, too. I can't believe that they let Dombrowski go. What did you think of that? I mean, he just won a World Series. Well, that was my exact reaction. Um, I I have no idea why. I mean, listen, the Red Sox are having a down year. I get it, but what the hell? Like, who, my thing is, like, if you're going to fire, I'm a CEO, right? So I, I'm obviously making these decisions frequently. Yeah, you fired yourself. I fired myself, right? I did. So obviously when I'm making that decision to fire myself, my first inkling is, am I going to be able to find somebody better out there? Now, for me as Dino Hypeco CEO, yes, I make the wrong fucking sperm bank pick of the week almost every goddamn week, and <laughs> I could find a better thing to sponsor. Now in the Red Sox eyes, is there a better president of baseball ops out there than Dave Dombrowski? I don't think so. He just I won think, a goddamn World Series. Yeah, I think one of their, I think what they're looking at is he has embraced analytics, but he's still an old school guy. So that might have something to do with it. And when you're looking at the makeup of this team, it did have a weird feel going into the season, right? Like they didn't make many changes. So you bring back Evaldi, and to be honest, as bad of a deal as I thought that was simply just because I know his injury history and it seemed like he just gave everything that that arm had to winning you a title it's hard to tell your fans and him that thanks for your services we're we're not we're not going to pursue you that's one of those deals you almost have to do right yeah so absolutely. you bring him back you you choose not to re-sign Kimbrel now, he's dealing with his injury concerns and a little bit of wildness in Chicago. But, hey, that's been him his whole, you know, last five, six years. But he's still a premier closer when you look up and down the league. Choosing not to go with him and do kind of a closer by committee, I found kind of interesting and a little brash, uh, thinking that they were that good that they could just figure it out. Um, you know, your catching situation, Christian Vasquez has had a really good year, but there's still some inconsistencies there. You, you give Chris Sale the giant extension when you didn't have to yet, um, and he's hurt now and looks like he's heading towards ineffectiveness. Price obviously picked up his option because where else is he getting that money per year? There's been a lot of questionable moves made. Steve Pierce bringing him back. Now, that was only a one-year deal, but you know he has basically been a non-factor this season. He's made some moves that right now look questionable, but I think that a guy that brings these people in and overhauls a roster to make it a World Series winning team and a 108-win team last year, I think he deserves at least a second year to see all these moves through. Absolutely, and I guess what that says is nowadays in baseball, I don't know, I don't think this is specific to the Red Sox, you know, just because you won a World Series, I guess you don't have any equity for a few years. Is this where Boston sports has come to? All we knew that they was a, it was a fr- franchises that never won. And now we're seeing the Patriots, who can do no wrong, bringing Antonio Brown being the only team he wants to play for. They're firing GMs and managers right after they win World Series. This is where we're at with Boston sports. It makes me sick. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it anymore. 
I don't either. So let's just touch upon a couple of college football games. Listen, that let me talk about weekend. college football real quick because, you know, I tried to get into it this year, much to my dismay. Frenchie got me excited. It was, it was you know, the first kind of real college football Saturday because the one before that I feel like everybody, aside from a few teams, played a bunch of joke teams. So, you know, I sprinkle a little capital here and there just to keep the interest going. Just to, you know, maybe try and wet my beak a little bit. Keep the interest. And I put some money on, you know, Michigan minus 22 against Army at home in the big house. They fuck me. They almost lose the game to Army. And then I said, listen, oh, Syracuse is only down 21-3. to It's Maryland. I know they're at home, but... Maryland's not that great of a team. And, oh, Mike and and Sean were really talking up Dino Bavers. I bet you he rallies these guys. They come back, they get a quick win. So I live bet that game. What was the final score of that game? It was 63-20, to 20, Maryland. I'm done with college football. I gave it a try. I'm fucking sick and tired of it. It's going to be Alabama-Clemson again. What's the point? All right. There were some other very good games, and I, first of all, that was your fault. For I do. I will say, I did. I did enjoy when watching the Michigan, LSU game. Frenchie was telling you up and down, and I told you that Michigan and Harbaugh are not that, not nearly as good as people give them their preseason rankings. It was they do army. it for politics. I get it. This they is were a team the same that play for the last hundred years. That, this is a school that lost to Appalachian State twelve years ago. Michigan is not nearly as good as people think they are. They're just not. So, and then Army, the problem with a lot of trying to game plan for these teams is because they don't, they literally don't throw the ball forward. And that's hard. You remember the toughest game that Alabama had last year before the Georgia SEC championship game? The Citadel. Because they were running the triple option left and right, and these guys never see that kind of offense. They just don't. Now, they'll eventually catch up to them. I mean, Michigan did win the game. But 22 points as a spread, that is just, that is picking on guys like you who just look at Michigan and Army and say, yep, I'll take that. Listen, but I think man, you should give it another shot. According to some of the Sharps, they said it was a good pick. I thought Michigan was going to sling the ball all over the fucking yard, and they fall behind 14 nothing quick. Yeah, that's not what Michigan does. No, you're right. I mean, I, I like the quarterback <laughs> that they had. Syracuse, you and Frenchy were both wrong. You guys both sound like idiots, and I'm real close to firing the that was That was bad. I was, I was very shocked at how poorly they played. You guys I mean, are on final warning. All right, just relax. Now, two games that were that LSU were game was fun. Good. That was a fun game to watch. Yeah, LSU goes into Austin in the most hyped game that Texas has played in in a while, not – you know, not counting the Red River rivalry every year with Oklahoma. And they hosted number four LSU. And I'm telling you what, one thing Frenchie was right about and that I, I, I echo, I was, I was a little skeptical and I still am because I don't think Texas is great, although they're better now. But Burrow is for real, this quarterback for LSU. He's and making team, some big-time throws. Dude, this guy has a cannon. He's got moxie. It seems like they finally have a, a real legitimate passing threat for Ogeron's offense. And with that defense and the rest of the personnel there, this is a team that could really wreak havoc. Now, they go into Austin, they win by 7, 45-38 in a shootout. And this is the kind of game that LSU doesn't usually play in because prior to this year, they haven't really had the, the quarterback to make the kind of big-time throws. 
that was a statement win for them. That's going to be a, the toughest game that they play. They got Georgia coming up, and I think a couple of weeks, if not a month, that's going to be a legitimate game. I'm looking forward to that one. But good win on a kind of a blank slate of games this week. That was a that was the premier game, and Clemson. Hey, Frenchie said, don't sleep on Texas A&M. Remember last year the, when Texas A&M and Clemson played, that was the Trevor Lawrence coming out party. He relieved Kelly Bryant and just swung it all over the place, and they went into Texas A&M, only won by two points at the time. A&M came into Clemson this year. Clemson held him down 24-10, but that was a closer game than the score indicates. Uh, A&M played pretty well. They've got some real players on that squad. Absolutely. Speaking of Kelly Bryant, though, he did beat up on West Virginia. Good for him. Look at that. Hey, <laughs> I think if you're him, you can't at all feel bad. You lost your job to the best quarterback prospect since Peyton Manning. Yeah, there's and he really, may still find his way into the pros. Yeah, he might. And listen, there's there's just really nothing you can say. It's it's Trevor Lawrence, and if you're there, you know that your time is going to be very short-lived if you're another quarterback. <laughs> Absolutely. So looking forward, we got anything good on the college football docket next week, or is it still a little slow? It's still a little slow. The first couple weeks, you know, you get teams that hype up their first week because they want to play somebody, and then their next two weeks are kind of slow. Obviously, it depends who you're playing in conference. I haven't looked at the slate just yet. I think there's only a couple of games that really uh, pique my interest, but we'll see. Um, We'll dive into that next Monday. We'll, We'll pick out a couple games that we looked at. And uh, and probably put a couple of eyeballs to maybe you a little bit more capital on uh, this coming weekend. I'm out. I'm out on college football, and I'm about to be out on the NFL because I, I'm not doing too hot right now. Um, I'm watching the Saints game, and they're losing at halftime, and I have a lot of money riding on that. Ah, that's 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 bad for you. Well, let's hope that they, as fun as I have at your expense, I also need to make sure that you're still around to do podcasts with. So I'm hoping that you don't completely lose everything. Um, anything pop culture-wise as we wrap up this Monday rundown that's uh, that's had you interested, that's had you watching anything good, listening to anything good, what's going on? Um, I don't know if I mentioned it earlier, but I, I watched the uh, Travis Scott documentary on Netflix. Yeah, you mentioned that last time. Yeah, you that liked was it, incredible. Right? Um, I've been watching a lot of Succession lately. Um, aside from that, nothing really, just watching some golf and – you know the European uh, the European tours on right now. That's a lot more fun than the PGA. So I gotta I gotta watch that. Aside from that, I'm really not watching much besides sports. Yeah, I hear you. I'm not I'm not really I'm not too much into any movies or shows right now. I did watch the new Jim Gaffigan stand up. It was uh, an Amazon Prime special, which I thought was interesting. It was freaking hilarious. It was really good. I still got to see the new Chappelle one. I've heard nothing but great things. Um, oh yeah, I'm surprised because the uh, the PC police were really heavy on that one. I thought it was excellent. Yeah, I've heard. I've really, I've really got to see it. Like, Here's the thing I've, about the PC police: it's comedy. You're supposed to like ride the line. That's what the point is. If we don't have comedy, well, what do we have? It's not even that. It's Chappelle's comedy. He has built up equity in his career. Where he, everyone is fair game. I was he say, makes fun of every single, every single group of people, regardless of race, gender, you know, sexual orientation, anything, circumstance. Like it doesn't matter. He gets everybody because he gets himself. I get that it's not everybody's cup of tea, but you know what? 
then don't watch it. If you're if you're turning into Dave Chappelle and you don't know what to expect, that's on you. Absolutely. Coming from the CEO of Dino Hype and Sorry Sports, PC Police, you're not allowed to watch Chappelle. No, that's a bad job out of you. Um, the, yeah, so I, the Gaffigan one was real good. Uh, got again around to seeing Chappelle, but it's sports, I mean, with baseball. And then uh, college and pro football, there's a lot going on. Uh, I will tell you this. Um, the new Lana Del Rey album is fire. Really fucking good. You're really into the Disney-esque character uh, chicks and their songs, huh? Do you know anything about Lana Del Rey? Um, there's, nothing Dis- there's nothing Disney about that. No, I, I know. Suggest- yeah, so, uh, so my answer then would be no. Um, <laughs> it's really good. Um, she definitely went like, it's a very 60s kind of like antique feel to it. But um, it's just great music. She is she's very talented. She's so different than you know any other artist out there that's that's got the kind of like cachet and recognition that she has. I mean, it, the, you listen to the music; it's not really like the happiest or the most upbeat, but it's just wonderful music. It's kind of like out of a different. It's like out of a different time, and uh, it, it was. I was interested to see how she was going to do it. She uh, she does a cover of Sublime's "Doing Time." And that she put a pretty good twist on that. Um, so that's a good album. Anybody that likes her definitely and hasn't listened, definitely go check that out. Or if you're just looking for new music, give that a listen. And best, Tom, cover, should... best cover ever, John Mayer, Free Falling. Oh, hell yeah. That's a, That was a great one. The live one? Absolutely. I listen to that all the time. Well, that's good to know. Maybe next time before you uh, comment on who I'm listening to, you actually know who they are. I kind of know who she is. I'm getting her confused with the other chick. Sure. All right. Um, that's a good point to wrap up. The CEO is uh, is dropping the ball with his pop culture. That's all I can say. Oh, stop it. <laughs> I'm locked in at all times. Yeah, it sure sounds like it. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We will be back on Wednesday with a full NFL Wednesday, the first of the year, recapping all of week one. Tom and I, unfortunately, have to talk about our teams. We'll talk about everything else that went on in week one, preview uh, a couple of picks for week two. Uh, hopefully we do a little bit better job because week one was a pretty pathetic performance. I'm batting 500. Good for you. Yeah, I, I went an over. That, that's, not a, that's not a good way to start. I'm, you're already planning my McDonald's run, aren't you? I can't wait, bro. But we will be back on Wednesday with an NFL podcast. Um, let's hope we have a good day before we record because that's going to be depressing. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. All right, buddy. I'll talk to you then. All right, everyone.